Today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online is brought to you by the Purple Mattress. You're going to love purple right now. You guys, our listeners, can get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text RGS, RGS to 84888. The only way to get this free pillow is to text RGS, initials of Real Ghost Stories, RGS to 84888. That's RGS to 84888. Have you ever described a job you had as a nightmare? Maybe it was a crazy demanding boss, a nutty coworker, or just insane everything. If you've ever had a workplace where you had to say, you can't make this shit up on a daily basis, we want to hear about it anonymously of course on our new podcast office horror stories each week we'll play back your calls read your stories and discuss the craziest most extreme and intense workplaces of all time but to do that we need your stories if you have a crazy workplace story in your past or maybe even present tell us about it anonymously just call toll free 1-833-HATE-JOB that's 833-HATE-JOB or write in your story on our website officehorrorstories.com we don't want your name we don't want the name of the workplace we just want your story so you can go ahead and let it all out anonymously call toll free 1-833-HATE-JOB that's 1-833-HATE-JOB or write in your story on our website officehorrorstories.com that's officehorrorstories.com now you have an outlet to share the craziness that is or was your office then stay tuned as we launch the new podcast office horror stories this fall tell us your story now at officehorrorstories.com Today on Real Ghost Stories Online, if you've ever been inside one, chances are you've also heard haunted hospital stories. Stories of the dead coming back to bring the living to the other side. Haunting those visiting a loved one, sometimes roaming the halls of an abandoned hospital. Today, we have a haunted hospital story you will never forget. Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That it is. 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Or email your audio file to Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com. Of course, supporting the program is always very much appreciated. That's how we keep this thing on the air. Five bucks a month is all we ask. And for that, you get access to our archive of more than 260-some bonus episodes of the show all there for you. And right now we're doing a series on the EPP bonus episodes where you guys are getting access to the audiobook of our book, Real Ghost Stories, Haunting Encounters Told by Real People, uh, before it goes to the public, before it goes on sale. Uh, I'm probably putting it, on, putting it on sale, I don't know, this fall, Christmas time, somewhere around there. But uh, before then, you guys are going to get to hear it if you're an EPP. We're literally going through the book page by page. Over a series of, I'd say, probably about five or six EPP episodes, um, about 40, 50 minutes in length, uh, just piece by piece. So you guys get to hear that. It's really fun. I'm, I'm uh, going through it right now. And uh, you know, I think about roughly halfway through recording them. And these are stories. Some of them have been told like at the very beginning of our show a couple of years back. Um, but they have not been told in this way. These stories have been curated and and essentially edited for book form. So they're they're just polished and they're just in perfect form. And some of these stories have never been told on the air. They've been only in the book. So it's really kind of fun going through and uh, re- reimagining some of these stories and, and hearing them again almost for the first time because it's been so many years um, and then literally hearing some for the first time. So check that out at uh, Ghost podcast.com tony and carol hughes joining you once again and how are you tony what's up i'm here i uh 
were going to say something to me first. I've been, no, I've been reading all day. I've been reading the book out loud all day. <laughs> so that's, that's, what, that's what's been up for me. But uh, yeah, it's been fun. How about you? Well, I have a story. You do? What's your story? So you and I have a mutual friend mm-hmm. and we went out for drinks the other night and let's call him Nick. Okay. So now I think you might know who the mutual friend is. Sure. And so, cause it's, that's not his name, but it rhymes with that. Anyway, so. <laughs> One letter off. Night, we, we went out and, and he was asking me about this podcast and about when we were in Eureka Springs mm-hmm. and he says, oh man, I had a weird thing happen. So he lives in one, you know, every downtown has those old buildings that sat there for years and years and years. Sure. And here they've renovated a lot of those old buildings and turned them into really nice apartments. So he lives in one of those and he was telling me that he stays up all night and it's like 3.30 in the morning. And he's watching a movie. He's like, I was wide awake. And even, I can't remember what movie it was, but he knows what movie he was watching. He knows what was happening right then. And he hears someone try to get into his apartment. So it startled him. And he kind of jumped. And he heard it again. So then he's like, well, it's probably some drunk person Mm -hmm. thinking they're at their own apartment and they're at his apartment. Sure. So he's like, so... It kind of quit. And then he goes, I heard footsteps walking into his apartment. And he just has a studio apartment. Oh, God. So he hears someone walking in and he says, and I think they have wood floors or stone floors. Or sure. Something. And um, so he's like, holy shit, someone is in my apartment. How did they get in here? And he says, he goes, I didn't really want to look because... He thought he was going to get robbed or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it kind of turns and looks and it's this like a shadow figure, this really dark figure with a hat on standing in the corner. And he's like, who, how the hell did that person get in here? And it doesn't exactly look like a person. Mm -hmm. And he saw him. So I watched him and he said he was too freaked out to even do anything and the guy walks across his apartment to the front window and points outside. And just as he pointed outside, one of the street lights went out and Rick jumped and then he was gone. Jesus. Isn't that crazy? His name just changed too. It's like I it changed. Nick. <laughs> I say Rick. I'm our friend you know, I, I think he would jump on the air and probably share the story with us too. Um, oh, I think. But uh, wow, I want to ask him about this. Isn't that crazy? Oh, my God. So, was this like recently that this happened? Yeah, just a few weeks ago. No kidding. Because I wondered about that apartment building, because it was one of those that sat empty for years. And you know stories like that have history. And I'm talking like 30, 40 years, I bet. Mm -hmm. You know, because a lot of them have stores on the main level Mm -hmm. and nothing on the upper floors. Well, that one didn't even have stores on the main level. That's so, weird. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? You know, it's also kind of weird. Right before we connected here tonight on the show, I was on Facebook and I, I was my my other computer over here was literally on his Facebook page when you brought him up off the air. And really? Yeah, because I, I, I hadn't looked him up in a little while and I, I know there had been some some changes in his life recently. I just wanted to see what was going on with him. And so I was just just checking it out. I was thinking I'll, I'll shoot him a message and see how he's doing. And then one of the first things he said to me was, hey, I got a ghost story from him. <laughs> so yeah, this is kind of funny. <laughs> There's the ghost story. Yeah, that's interesting. Wow. that's He could, I'm sure, tell it better than I did. But yeah, yeah it freaked me out because I'm like... You know, I'd been wanting to go over and look at those apartments. Sure. Not so much anymore. <laughs> Answered that. And I have another friend who lives in that building, another guy I work with. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, has he had anything happen? And Rick said, no. He said nothing like that had happened to him yet. I wonder what the history is of the property itself. Do we know anything other than that it's old? I don't know, but now I want to look. Yeah. Wichita downtown is a very interesting area, and I do not know much of of any of its history, but just architecturally, it is fascinating. Uh, Just, it it is so, how would you describe it, Carol? I'm, I'm bad at describing these things other than it's just very, there's a lot of really beautiful stonework everywhere. Yeah, it's kind of like, like, it's a little bit 
you know, 1900s, some of those to 1940s. Yeah, there's areas so where it's it, Art Deco. Some of it has the very ornate stuff yeah. on it. And really beautiful buildings, you know, mm-hmm. back when they took time to do stonework on them. Yeah. And, but it's interesting because then you have, like we have a, a convention center downtown, which is really not attractive at all. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a mixture. It's kind of like but a spaceship. But it's really exciting now because they've turned in so many of those buildings into apartments or hotels. Yeah. So at least they're doing stuff. Yeah, Man. yeah. The revitalization. Last time I was there, I was ha- was happy to see that it was. It looks like it, they're doing more than they had for several years. For several years, it was. It, you drive down there, and there was nothing in any of those buildings. Oh, it was I really the sad. First twenty years I lived here, it was like that. Yeah. You know, and we heard we heard that too from a lot of artists when they would come into the radio station who had not been there. They'd be like, "Your downtown is really cool. They should do something down there." Um, and I agree. I mean, it, it's a neat downtown, and you could just kind of feel it. Like, just you could tell when those places were were constructed and and they were in their prime. Man, it must have looked really cool. <laughs> you know, you could just almost see the people walking down the sidewalk and, and everything kind of up and alive and, and doing well. And then there's something really haunting about it when you go by and the big storefront windows are either boarded up or there's nothing in yeah. them. And that to me, it's just so eerie. You know, it's, it's like Detroit where you see those photos and you're like, oh, wow. Just the ghost we of what We still was. have that here, but I mean, yeah. golly, it's come a long ways. Yeah. But... Obviously, like there are people who don't want to leave those buildings that yeah. are still there. <laughs> They're still there. That's a good story. I'm going to reach out to him and maybe I can have him on or have him call the show or something and share that uh, in his own words. It'd be here, interesting to just hear the reaction in his voice on that stuff. Yeah. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Okay, back to the ghost stories in just a moment. First, we want to thank our supporter today, the Purple Mattress. This thing is absolutely life changing it really is i mean you, you you have a lot of things that kind of come and go throughout your life some are like oh that's nice that's a good improvement this one's like oh my god this is this is revolutionary the uh, purple mattress is the mattress unlike any other that has ever existed and you think i'm, I'm blowing this out of proportion Mm-mm. let me let me tell you a little bit about the purple mattress if you are struggling to get a good night's sleep this is what is probably going to fix that problem for you. Okay, check this out. The founders of the Purple Mattress, two brothers, they've been developing cushioning technologies uh, for over 30 years. Things like medical beds, wheelchairs, and all that. In 2016, they decided to use their patented comfort technology to create the Purple Mattress, the world's most scientific mattress. Why is it scientific? Well, it's going to feel different. Why is it going to feel different? It was developed by a rocket scientist. Yes, it's not like memory foam that you've been used to. It's unlike anything I've ever experienced because it uses brand new material. Like I said, it was developed by a rocket scientist. It's never existed on the market before. The purple material feels very unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time. So it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable. So it sleeps cool, which is also very important. Here's the best part. You can try it for 100 nights for a 100-night risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you're returning your mattress. Get a full refund backed by a 10-year warranty, free shipping, free returns. That's not a catch there where it's like, well, if you don't like it, you have to pay to ship it back. No, that's not part of it. They will ship it back for free, okay? Free shipping, free returns, 100-night risk-free trial. You have nothing to lose. Free in-home setup, and old mattress removal as well. I mean, here's here's another part that you're really gonna like. You get a free purple pillow. You're gonna love purple. Right now, you guys, our listeners, get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. It's in addition to the great free giveaways they're offering site-wide. Just text RGS to 84888. The only way to get this free pillow is to text RGS to 84888. That's RGS to 84888. RGS stands for Real Ghost Stories. RGS. Text those letters to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. 855-853-4802 is our number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your experiences with us. Let's jump over to our first letter of the day. It says, this happened when I was 23. It was my first job working as a clinical research technician, and I was on a night shift. We just opened a new ward on the second floor. 
I worked at the clinical trial facility in London. The building comprised of three floors, a basement, an open terrace, the screening office, laboratory, and loading bay were located on the ground floor. The first and second floor were primarily where our inpatient wards were located, and all the offices were on the third floor. The freezer room, kitchen, archives, and storage room were in the basement, or as we called it, level negative one. It was a quiet night shift. We only had a few patients and therefore had only the first floor ward, ward one open. There were two of us on the night shift. Once all the procedures were completed, we turned out the lights and asked all our patients to return to their beds. It was around 1.20 a.m. The other guy on the shift with me, let's call him Josh, was on his break. We were each allowed one, two hours or one to two hours to reset or have a snack. By rule, it was always mandatory to carry a tiny pager with us. He was having a nap in one of the beds on Ward 2 and I remained in Ward 1 when suddenly one of the blood pressure machines on Ward 1 turned on all by itself. Before I could get to it, one of the patients woke up and turned it off. A few minutes went by and it happened again. This time I went over and unplugged the cord from the socket so the patients wouldn't get disturbed again. In the meanwhile, Josh rushed into Ward 1 and asked if everything was okay. His pager had gone off and the indicator showed an emergency at bed 7. This was eerily the same bed number where the blood pressure machine had gone off. I froze and explained to him what had just happened. He shrugged it off, saying the patient might have accidentally pressed the bedside emergency alarm. We assured I went back into the nurse's station and Josh went back upstairs to have the rest of his break. About 35 minutes later, Josh called me up from upstairs asking if I had left Ward 1. It was always mandatory for one member of staff to be present in an occupied ward. I assured him I hadn't left the ward at all. He went quiet and then whispered that he had heard something on the floor above him. That was where the offices were, and we were sure no one could have been upstairs at this time. He said he was still going to go upstairs and have a look. He came back to Ward 1, reported he didn't find anyone upstairs, but was uncomfortable going back to Ward 2. At this point, I was too afraid to go upstairs to my break myself, so I decided to take a nap in one of the chairs on Ward 1 while Josh stayed awake. Nothing else happened through the night. The next morning, when the day shift staff came in, we told them what had happened. Some of them didn't look surprised at all and said they'd experienced similar occurrences on their night shifts as well. One of them mentioned that a shower head in one of the cubicles in Ward 2 would turn on in the middle of the night. Others said they'd heard voices in the basement. I was terrified, but also relieved to find out I didn't imagine what had happened last night. Apparently, our building was located on what used to be a burial ground during World War II. On the following night shifts, I experienced a few more unusual activities. Sometimes the ward went cold suddenly, and we'd have to put on our jackets to stay warm and give patients extra sheets and hot water packs. Other times, a laboratory alarm would go off and stop on its own. I eventually learned to cope with this, but never stayed alone in Ward 2. I'm glad to have had the opportunity to share this with you and would love to know your analysis. Carol? My analysis was that that place is effing haunted. <laughs> That's very <laughs> scientific. I, I like Thank that. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Um, that place, I, I, I couldn't work there. No. But then, like, if you need a job, you know, you can't just quit your job because your place is haunted. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. How much would you put up with? At a, obviously, we have stories of the radio station, of the volume knob turning and, and things of that nature. Other people have, have seen things. I don't believe you said you've seen anything no. there. No. Um, but how much would you be able to put up with in a haunted workplace? Like, okay, we got that level there. What if you did start to see things? What if you, you saw somebody walk by the windows there in by the studio and then you went out to say hi and they weren't there? Would that be okay? I'm testing well, your tolerance level I mean, of where of where would you not okay. where would you draw the line of I can't handle this shit anymore. So just a person walking by, eh. but what if the person walked by with someone who you knew was deceased? <laughs> not just like oh, it's it's you know it's a, a coworker that's there currently. I don't know, like the if it was the guy who used to own the place, yeah, like. 
that would totally freak me out. Mm-hmm. And then I would convince myself I didn't see it. Sure. But then I'd be like, but that's kind of comforting because he's obviously checking on me or mm-hmm. he thinks I'm doing a good job or something like that. Yeah. But I think it'd be really hard to up and quit until yeah. you got another job. Something like that might make me want to go find another job. What if you were in your office and the door suddenly slammed <laughs> shut? And it just was a very dark, oppressive feeling in there every single day. Oh, then, yeah, I'd have to quit. Okay. I don't know. I'm just curious. Like, well, I need the job still. I'd be making some great sandwiches at Subway. (laughs) Sandwich artiste. Yes. They would be so impressed. I would be in management in no time. They're like, where you been? You're great at managing the Subway. (laughs) No, I just couldn't. Especially like those... It's one thing during the day, if you feel like you work in a creepy yeah. place, there's other people around sure. and you can also explain stuff away. Yeah. You know, like in my building, if someone walks across the attic, you can hear them. <laughs> I have a good attic story. Maybe there's been people walking across. I thought they were walking across the attic and they weren't. Yeah. Maybe there's nobody up there. But it's not so scary when it's a busy, active place during the daytime hours. Sure. At night, that feeling changes so much. Mm-hmm. I thought at one point I was going to finally have a ghost story there. And I was, it was after like six or seven o'clock at night. I was one of the last people there. And all of a sudden started hearing stuff in the ceiling. It's like, oh my God, this is it. This is a ghost story. And and then it was like, oh wait, no, that's, those are claws. (laughs) I hear claws. (laughs) And turns out there was a raccoon in the ceiling. I remember, but and I went up to the attic to go wander around and look around, and you could hear it like I never did see the raccoon, but you could just hear like you know the little weird you know almost childlike kind of chirpyish noises that it makes, and you could hear it kind of scurrying to the opposite side of it knew where I was. I didn't know where it was, and there was so much stuff up there. I think they got an exterminator that night or something because it was it did it didn't happen again the next day. The but, attic is creepy. Yeah. It is. It's interesting, though. I like looking through the records and old stuff yeah. up there. It was uh, There's a lot of history up there. There is. It is. It's very neat. But here, I, for a second, I thought, oh, ghost. Nope. Raccoon. Raccoon. <laughs> Damn. Yep. Got to. But they, that, that's what you got to do. You got to look at all the logical possibilities. And in that case, it was just a raccoon. But like that story that um, you just read. There's too many things that happen. Yeah. To make, you know, if it's one or two things. You might be able to dismiss it. Like, oh, the blood pressure machine went on by itself. Maybe mm-hmm. it just did. But when it's just night after night and you hear things and you see things and, yeah, there's then a point, it's just haunted. There's a point where it goes beyond being a coincidence. And, and right. it's it just it, like these. there's something intelligent going on here. And that, I th- think, is what was happening uh, at that uh, that hospital 855-853-4802 our number at real ghost stories online another letter it says let's go back 25 years i was working at a local hospital as a cna certified nursing assistant i usually did in-home care decided i'd try the hospital so it was a new experience for me i was working 12-hour shifts when hired they only had a night shift available so i jumped at it thinking that would get my foot in the door lucky for me i only worked one night shift One of the day shift people had quit, giving no notice. I stepped right into the day shift that I'd applied for in the first place. Now, in days, I had lunch most days. Being a smoker after lunch, I'd go to the smoking areas where I'd visit with the ladies who worked in the kitchen. From the very first day, they told me all the stories that surrounded this modern hospital. First, they told me if a doctor uh, that surgery had scheduled for that morning, the patient was prepped, ready to go. They couldn't find the doctor anywhere. The patient was taken back to the room, told they had done the surgery at another time. Midday, they found the doctor in the shower. He had hung himself. This rocked the hospital to his foundation. Girls told me the doctor walks the halls of the third floor. This occurred during the day as well as the night, leaving me the rookie to look back over my shoulder a lot as my department was on the third floor. There are many other stories I experienced, too, that I witnessed with my own eyes. We had a gentleman pass away. The RN told me I needed to help her prepare the body for the morgue. My first experience of this, somehow I got through all that. 
shaken, but glad it was over a few hours later. I was updating my notes when I caught movement out of the corner of my eye, jerking my head quickly to look into the direction of the figure of a man. The very man I had prepared for the morgue. I nudged the RN. She saw it as well. I was hoping I saw things, but by no, there was... He was right there smiling at us. We looked at each other, looking back for the man, and then he was gone. Now, I had a true story to tell the lunch ladies. Later, by a few weeks, I saw him again. Maybe he's keeping the doctor company. I always prayed he wouldn't follow me home. So glad I worked days. Didn't want to actually have to be there at night. There you go. Another hospital story where there's no explaining seeing the dead guy away as a raccoon impersonating a person. Well, and you know what I just said about the daytime stuff, obviously. Yeah. Like, it could happen during the day. Sure can. But... Like, I wasn't ready for that story. We couldn't find the doctor. He hung himself. Wouldn't you be like, so I pissed? I not ready for that. What if you're the one that's, like, going to have the surgery? They, and they didn't say what type of surgery it was, but I think any type of surgery. If the doctor kills himself right before, I think you'd be like, is it me? Is it this, like, does he, like, really have no faith in doing this? Like, how I, my mind would be going, you know, all the wrong places. You know, even though it's probably something that has nothing to do with that surgery or that patient. But I would be so pissed because <laughs> you you have to kind of get ready for surgery. I mean, especially if you know about it in advance, unless it's like one of those, OK, we have to operate on you now things. Uh, but just even that has a little build up. And then suddenly the doctor's dead. My God. And I get like how the doctor would haunt the hospital. Sure. He killed himself there. He worked there. He was attached to a hospital, patients, all that. Yeah. But like the other person who died in the hospital, I don't get like why that person would haunt that hospital. You know, mm -hmm. like what's in it for you? Like got no place else you want to go? Or I I you, look I, don't know, I look at some of these hauntings. Do you ever have dreams or a night? I, do. I, I should say. <laughs> do you ever like have these thoughts in your head in your sleep they're called dreams um <laughs> they're amazing it's weird i thought i was the only one holy shit i it's just like oh my god i can't believe people have these but uh, do you ever have it where um i should say in a night it's it's like a series of dreams that just keep pulling you back to the same place yeah. and it and sometimes yeah. they're just horrible it's like and it's not even like necessarily nightmarish but it's just like monotonous tasks that you can't stop doing and it's almost torturous i have that like with work stuff or had that with work stuff i always reference the radio the dead air dream or the cd player won't work dream things of that nature where it's not like a monster's getting you but for the love of god i just want to peacefully sleep not be in my worst case scenario at work um, just things like that work just over and over and over and you can't get that scenario out no matter how many times you wake up and go to the bathroom. You go back and boom, you're back there. I wonder if sometimes that's what it's like for some of these spirits where they're in a place where you're like, why are you here? Why are you doing the same things over and over? Especially if it's somewhat conscious and not just um, a repetitive uh, residual type thing that's going on where it's actually interacting somewhat. I wonder if they're in that sort of a state where it's like, damn, I don't want to be here either, but I can't control the fact that I am stuck within the confines of this little nightmare area. And it is what it is. I wonder if that's what that's like. It could be. And maybe they're just stuck there for a while. Yeah. And two, trying to figure out how you get out of there. I don't know. That that's the kind of thing I would like to have the the definitive answer for, mm -hmm. and if I ever had that, I would be super famous. Or what if? But you I just like it, it's just so strange to me. Why, if you died in a hospital, why would you haunt that hospital? Yeah. Unless you were just stuck there. What if you're seeing the ghost in the hospital, and it's not someone who necessarily died there, but it's just kind of somebody doing some sort of monotonous task. And it's like, oh my God, what is it? Why is this person here? What if that is someone dreaming somewhere in the hospital and that's them projecting themselves over there? We've actually had a story kind of like that. Gosh, uh, now I got to think that through. <laughs> <laughs> here, take, take, take a hit off of this Please and then tell me what that, you think. Honey. That's a lot. <laughs> 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 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> no, but we actually seriously had a um, a story like that. It wasn't in a hospital, but it was a woman who kept dreaming that she was going back to her childhood home. And she was walking through the woods and back and she would see this family having a campfire. And she was kind of just creeping up in the bushes and, and watching them. And then one of the children saw her. And this is a dream. This is what she is is dreaming. And then one day, and the children like looks and mommy, look, a ghost. And it's like, she's not, I'm not a ghost. I'm, you know, I'm in a dream. And then she wakes up and then she thinks, well, that was just a really weird dream I had of my childhood home. Eventually she goes to the house and almost does the Miranda Lambert, uh, the house that built me thing and knocks on the door and says, hi, you know, uh, this house I used to live in it and then the the child comes to the door because mommy it's that ghost from the campfire the other night yes and and she's like oh my god and she was not thinking this was a ghostly experience or that she was projecting herself and she was creeped out because she recognized the family as the one from the dream and that was weird enough but then the child recognized her and it was a projection type scenario totally bizarre but it happens. So that's why I'm I wondering. I don't want that to happen to me. That would freak me out. Like, I'm getting ready to die yeah. or something like that. Well, I, I, as far as I know, she's still alive. I, I think she's written into the show again. But it's uh, it's one of those weird things where it's kind of like different planes of existence that are going on. Uh, that sometimes I think we, we look at as, oh, that's a ghost. It must be someone who's dead. And I don't know that that's always the case. I don't know that always these ghosts that we see are truly dead. I think sometimes it may be some something like that. Or even what we, we're hearing more and more about, and I know Keith even talked about it a little bit the other night at the uh, the Crescent, just kind of the different planes of reality and the different dimension right. type things. And I don't know a ton about it, but, you know, the more we dig into it, I'm not going to dismiss anything. That would be crazy. Yeah. Think of that next time you're dreaming about a place that you uh, you once knew well and and wonder, hmm, am I really there? Uh, am I there right yeah, now? Exactly. Am I a ghost there? <laughs> Eight, five. I mean, if, go ahead. If you could see a ghost. Yeah. Because what is it? I don't know. Yeah. Okay, this is so deep. I'm going to have, I got to spend some time with this in my brain. <laughs> spend some time and I'll go on to the next story. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our number. Our next letter says, I've worked at schools, medical centers, and theaters, but the only place I've had paranormal experiences is when I worked at a Little Caesars Pizza in the corner of a strip mall in southern Utah. Pizza, pizza. The shopping area was built in the 1980s. Before that, it was an empty lot. It was 1995 and I was 16 years old. Working at Little Caesars Pizza was my first real job. I did everything from making the dough in the morning to closing the shop at night. It was a fun place to work and I have a lot of good memories from that time. But that's not what you asked for, right? I remember seeing people walk behind me who weren't there. My coworkers also saw figures walk behind them who said they looked like me. One time I walked out of the walk-in freezer with a huge tray of dough. I turned the corner and saw a man dressed in Civil War era clothing. He wasn't a soldier. He just dressed from that time. I did a double take and he was gone. Last thing I can't explain that happened all the time when I was at a certain station saucing and cheesing the pizzas. There was a wall directly to my right on the other side of the wall were the ovens and the cutting station. Beyond that was a cash register in the lobby. Because of the design of the building, the lobby didn't get direct sunlight. It wasn't gloomy by any means, just not bright. Yet without fail, I'd see out of my peripheral vision the lobby in bright yellow sunshine. Be filled with people in balloons as if it was a birthday party. It was so real, I'd look around at the wall and check the lobby for guests, but it'd be dark and empty. I repeat, I had to look around the wall to see the lobby, but out of my peripheral, I could see it clearly. Nobody ever had birthday parties in our lobby. It wasn't that kind of a restaurant. Maybe I saw into a different dimension, but I'm glad it was the birthday party dimension and not the demonic one. As far as I know, nobody else ever saw what I saw. My sister worked there before I did. I asked her if she ever saw the party, but she said she didn't experience anything other than people who weren't there walking around in the dishwashing station and the haunted walk-in freezer. There's a Vietnamese restaurant there now. I've been too timid to ask if they've seen anything paranormal. 
My first question is, what the hell happened to the pizzas of the 1980s and early 90s where there was two pizzas and you could tear the, the paper off? Those were the best pizzas. This bullshit of the circle pizzas at Little Caesars, not having it. <laughs> not having it. Um, Tony, it's not going back. <sighs> I'm just telling you, you better get used to it. The crazy bread and the pizzas. Do you remember that? Where it was like, you get it was pizza pizza. That was the whole thing. You got two pizzas. Yeah. And it was on cardboard, and then you would tear that paper open, and it was just the wafting scent of the... It was wonderful. I remember getting that as a child. It was like, oh, this is the best. And then, I don't know what the hell's going on today, but last time I had Little Caesar, it was like a round pizza in a box, and it's like, it was nothing what it once was. Although, I think they do like mini versions of the old ones now. It's kind of like what it was, but still... Uh, I I think you go back with the boat that brought you. Um, But uh, anyway... End of the ghost story. So you're story. thinking about the pizza pizza yeah. reminiscing. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, okay, so maybe that woman <laughs> saw that family from that story you just told at their house and they were having a birthday party mm-hmm. and she was like on another plane. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> like if she can't even see into the other room, yeah. how is she seeing a birthday party? It, it, it touches on what we had just talked about on the right. previous call. Yeah. No, it, it is. Yeah, so I wasn't even thinking about the old Little Caesars pizzas. Well, get your priorities like, straight. Maybe this <laughs> goes up to what Tony was just saying. It, it maybe it's not a ghost at all. She's actually seeing a party. I happening. go from deep shit to various pizzas in the generations of Little Caesars. <laughs> yeah, maybe there was a party at a different Little Caesars. That actually had seating. It wasn't just a to-go place. And in a different dimension, Little Caesars was much more of a formal sit-down pizza restaurant. But in our dimension, it's this. <laughs> I don't know. It's it is it is bizarre. Especially, I mean, it, wh- wh- I understand. And and what's not so strange is you know the the shadow people type walking around seeing something on a, a full-bodied apparition. Okay, there was probably something that happened on that that ground there prior to little caesars popping up but the whole uh seeing a birthday party in the lobby that is bizarre that that, that is when you can't even see the lobby yeah and then like it goes back to the why would they be haunting the little caesars yeah so unless you know maybe like what you just said they were already there attached to the land mm-hmm. and they built a little Caesars and now they're stuck in little Caesar land and now they're what at a Vietnamese restaurant. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Can you imagine? It's like, I am so stuck here. This pizza smells so good. I can't eat it. Now it's a Vietnamese restaurant. Yeah. Just, I wonder like, if they still have the stuff going on at the Vietnamese restaurant or maybe the ghost just like the crazy bread that, you know, that could be it. I know, but the, didn't the sister say they had a haunted walk-in? Yeah. She's like, ah, I never saw a party, just a haunted walk-in. That's a lot. I mean, Little Caesars are not big places. There's so yeah, they're little. Yeah, so they're you're really confined. You know, if anybody, if you're working there and it's haunted, you're all going to see the shit because it's right there. It's a it's it's slightly bigger than a food truck. Now, so, I will say this with all respect to Little Caesars employees everywhere or any because I used to work in fast food restaurants yeah. years ago, but I would find another job <laughs> because that's a job that you could find. Like sure. Pizza Hut's always hiring, you know, Papa John's is always hiring. So, I mean, you could take those pizza skills even to another level and <laughs> like make artisan pizzas or something. She did say that the people over at Papa John's were the Satan worshipers though. So I understand. Well, then if that, yeah, don't go to, but there's gotta be a non-satanic one. <laughs> it's weird when they do the pentagram pizzas at Halloween. And that, that to me has always been kind of Super awkward. Super popular at Halloween. I was like, what's up with the pentagram pizzas? This is, you know, I get like the hearts at Valentine's like pentagram pizzas. That's a bit much. Um, what about like somebody I think suggested a while back some that maybe like Pizza Hut or somebody should do like Ouija board pizzas where you get like the box as a Ouija board and then you use like a slice as the planchette to move around. That would be interesting. 
You never know what you're going to find at a pizza place. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go over to a caller. Hi, you're on the air. Hi. Um, I've called in before. Um, I don't. This isn't necessarily a scary story. It's more kind of funny and uplifting um, <laughs> and sad. But anyway, um, in August of 2003, my uncle passed away. Um, he was one of nine brothers and, um, it was my dad's brother and they are a big Irish Catholic family. Um, very straight laced, tight lipped. Um, they don't like to share. They like to project perfection and, you know, success and, you know, and that's their outward appearance. Um, inwardly there's a lot of skeletons in the closet and secrets and um, things they don't deal with. Anyway, um, unfortunately, one of those was my uncle's drug addiction. Um, in 2003, he died of either an overdose or a heart attack, probably caused by the drugs. Um, and all of this was, I think, covered up from a lot of the family. I, I don't think a lot of people knew. So it was, you know, I mean, drug addiction is never a great thing to have to talk about, but, you know, to this to this family, it's like, you know, this huge shameful secret. And I, I didn't find out until years later that the way that he had passed away. Um, so anyway, uh, this was the, what did I say? <laughs> August of 2003, uh, we're from Michigan. And it was really hot that summer. Um, on the day of his viewing, we all um, got properly dressed up, my parents and my brother and sister, and um, got in the family Volvo station wagons and air conditioning um, and went to the viewing. Uh, my dad's family is huge, so there were a ton of uh, family members there um, that I'm not necessarily close with and uh, hopefully it can be kind of relatable uh, to have you know anxiety making small talk with a lot of kind of judgmental mm, people uh, anyway um, we were not there more than 30 or 40 minutes when the lights went out and I mean all of the lights, the entire funeral home, all of the buildings around us, the street lights. Turns out that it was the beginning of the 2003 blackout of the Northeast. Yeah. Um, so um, it was slightly amusing. It sounds a little cruel, but it, really it was just kind of slightly amusing to be in this uncomfortable position with a lot of people, secretive people that I didn't really know, kind of running around going, oh my God. And, you know, with an uncle laying in a casket. Um, <laughs> and it, again, it's hot. Um, don't worry, this doesn't turn gross. So um, keep calm, carry on, I think was the motto that was adopted by some at least. Um, you know, again, very straight-laced, type, tight-lipped, you know, <laughs> get-it-done kind of people. Um, but everyone was a little shaken up, which was maybe necessary. Um, the funeral wasn't going to take place the next day, which I remember was um, a big topic of conversation. I was about 13 or 14 at the time, which is probably why I wasn't... Um, made aware of the entire truth. Um, anyway, so um, for us, I, I, at least the area that we were in, I know that some people gained power in the Northeast maybe the same day, but in our area, it took like a day and a half, almost two days. Um, so the next day uh, wasn't the funeral, it was the day after, pardon me. Um you know, we're very properly dressed and we go into the church and it's this big, beautiful Roman Catholic church. And 
Um, right in the middle of the service, the lights came back on. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm a believer in, I, I don't know if then I really let myself go, oh, okay, you know, this is more of a coincidence, but um, now I look at that and go, of course, that was, that was my uncle, you know, th that, yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I don't know, more of an uplifting story. Um, and it kind of shook up my very straight-laced, secretive, tight-lipped, grieving um, family. And I just think that that was my uncle in true fashion you know, saying his last goodbye with a joke. Anyway, uh, thank you. I really enjoy your program. I'm a gravekeeper. Um, and I really enjoy um, your other show, too. And thank you. Bye. Thank you. She's referencing uh, the Grave Talks, the other podcast, uh, if you want to check that out. What are your thoughts on the story? Well, it was funny because when she first started, she said it was going to be uplifting and kind of funny. And then she goes, my uncle died of an overdose. <laughs> I'm like, what? And then the power but went actually, out and he's dead. I mean, and it could absolutely, it could be a coincidence. But the fact that the lights went out in the viewing, the lights come on in the funeral that was like two days later. in mm -hmm. those small windows of time, because, you know, usually... Things like that don't last much longer than, what, an hour? And I like to think it was her uncle. I really sure. do. What makes it interesting is the fact that she said, you know, the power went on for a lot of other people uh, much sooner than it did for them. So it wasn't like, oh, and then everybody's power came back on at once. For some reason, right in their area, it seemed to stay off for a selected amount of time until it was just the right moment, it seemed. And that, I think, is what points to it being a little more than just a coincidence. And then the fact that she had a family that was all, like, uptight. Mm -hmm. and so maybe that was his kind of, like, hey, I'm, I'm still here. And... Like little joke sort of thing. I like to think that's what it was. I thought it was going to go bad, and I'm glad she said, like, it doesn't get gross. She's like, when the power went off and you have a dead body, and it's like, well, the refrigeration's not working. Uh, well, he's already been embalmed, so he should have been okay. That's true. How long do you last when you've been embalmed as far as... Uh, I mean, I think you could go a few days. Yeah. I mean, this is... Okay, I am not kidding you, but... Um, so my dad used to be a mortician. Okay. We got some insight. No, this is gonna be a, this is gonna be a the more you know moment. I can't wait. So, -do -do -do. so he was a mortician in Chicago, and very busy funeral home. I mean, middle of the city. And so one time, I I went to stay with him, and he's like, "Hey, I could drive you back home to Kansas. I have to go to Omaha, Nebraska first, and drop off a body." So my dad and I drove from Chicago to Omaha with a body in the back seat or in, in the back because we were, of course, in a hearse. And so, like, the body that I don't know by the time it got embalmed and we drove it, I mean, it would had to have been a couple days before it had been embalmed and got to Omaha for their service. Now, when you say you had it in the back seat, did you have it like propped up with a seatbelt on, or was he like in like he was in laying a down? Casket. Okay, okay. He was in a casket, yeah. Okay. And I never saw him. And I thought that it might kind of creep me out because I was like 13. Sure. And it didn't. I didn't get any creepy feeling about, but so I think, I think once you're embalmed, you're pretty good for a while. I think days. I don't think maybe necessarily weeks on end. But they put stuff in your body to keep you from, I don't know what the right word is, <laughs> spoiling. Decomposing? But, yeah. So I think you'd be okay for a few days. <laughs> there you go, everybody. <laughs> Oh, that made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm glad we've established that. So, uh, I okay, maybe you can answer this question for me because this is a mystery I had last week. I was um, I was at uh, a store that uh, you know it, it can be a, a one of two things. It can either be a mega store or it can be uh, the breeding ground for the apocalypse uh, and the Walking Dead coming uh, to be a reality. It's Kind of depends on the day you're there. Anyway, I was in the self-checkout, and one of the, the employees who was in charge of, um, of keeping an eye on the self-checkout, he went on to brag about having a, a, a Rolex watch out of nowhere, and he was talking really loud so everybody could hear him, and then he started kind of talking kind of 90s gangsta-ishly. He's like, he's like yeah, I got my, I got my Rolex and the guy's like, you got a Rolex? Yeah, I got my Roly. I got it uh, back uh, when I was in Arkansas. Uh, back when I worked for the funeral home, I made I made some good money. I made a couple honey every body that uh, came through. So uh, translation, he made a couple hundred dollars for every body that came through. Now he's checking at the self-checkout where you don't really have to check anybody out. Just make sure people don't steal shit. Um, bragging about... It makes me think that's how he got his roly. The, uh, it, was just, it was just like, what is going on here? So I'm, he, then he said, I just, I'm just working just to, to have some extra cash on hand. I saved up my money when I was at the funeral home. That's how I got my roly. The job at the store was just kind of, uh, you know, just to for the hell of it because of all the bodies money that he made. So I'm trying to figure out what, what job at the, the funeral home is it? Cause he clearly didn't own the funeral home. I, I highly doubt he was involved in like the, you know, intricacies of embalming and stuff. What job is it there? That's pulling in the couple honey. Uh, every time a body comes through, it's just kind of a, there's not. I, I don't know what that job would be. But like, are you delivering? Are you going and picking up and delivering the bodies? Does that pay a couple, honey? Or I mean, I'm, you certainly could go pick up the bodies, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know that that pays a couple, honey. Every t I don't know. I, I just don't know. It just seemed like an odd job and quite a bit to be paid for. Not really a you know an intricate part of the you know I, I could see like if you're you know the embalmer and stuff that you're going to make some money on that no my dad didn't get no? rich okay and he was at a very busy really funeral home in okay. the middle of chicago okay so i don't but, know no, i don't think there's like millions to be made i didn't think so i was just really kind of like i would be picking up some extra honeys on this side <laughs> if i could do that sure i was more so i mean i was it was entertaining to watch this occur but i was like then I started wondering, well, where, what, what's his, what was he doing? You know, that, that you're pulling that in. I don't know. It was uh, just another, just another Maybe day. he was the funeral home director and he just didn't look the part. Jesus. I don't know what I would do at that point if I walked in and he was a funeral home director. Is that a Roly? You got a couple of honey from the last couple of bodies that came through? All right. Here's Uncle Ed, you know, make him look like Aunt Gertrude. Okay. You know, I don't know how that would go down, but there you go. Well, I'm glad we uh, we learned about uh, funeral homes and all that today. So that was <laughs> that was special. That's going to wrap up our program for the day. If you like the show, keep us on the air. Become an EPP, an extra podcast person. Sign up at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories to keep us on the air. Until next time, for Carol, I'm Tony. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. <laughs>